All right. We are on the last session of the day, of the whole program. Yes, we've made it. Uh, so thanks to all of you who have joined us all day long, and thank you for those who are joining us for our very last session of the day. Before I get started, I do have to let everyone know um, some very important news. Duke did lose to Mercer, I'm told. So um, a great way to end the day. Uh, not, not a real good way to start my talk, but... <laughs> and that uh, voice that you hear is Ross Dorkin from Blue Grotto. Um, you see his slides that are up here. Uh, Ross, I, oh, his talk is Implications, Applications, and Approaches to Complying with the Sunshine Act. Ross, I am turning it over to you. Oh, okay, as uh, Derek mentioned, I'm Ross Dworkin, and I'm with uh, Blue Grotto Technologies. Uh, first, I just want to thank uh, Derek Wernick, uh, the CME guy, for uh, allowing me to participate in uh, the CME Palooza. And uh, I'm really expecting just to share some of my experiences uh, with you regarding the uh, Sunshine Act, uh, really specifically the implications and some of the approaches we've seen in terms of how uh, various companies and organizations have uh, accommodated these requirements. Uh, to go through this, I'm basically going to, well, I'm going to be discussing some of the basics of the act, uh, both of its intent and some of the dictates. Uh, we'll go through just some very common interpretations of how some companies have uh, read this and are uh, going to be applying it to their operations, uh, some general guidelines that we've seen. Uh, I'll also just briefly touch on some of the technologies involved in, uh, you know, accommodating this act and storing and uh, handling the data. Uh, and uh, that'll, you know, the, the typical effort implied. But before I move forward, I really need to give a, just a very brief disclaimer. Um, with the company, I'm a principal at Blue Grotto Technologies, and uh, we provide, among other things, technology that is used to collect the information necessary at events and meetings uh, to comply with the Sunshine Act. We have meeting management systems, other thing of the like. Uh, our we are Blue Grotto. We uh, do sell these products or offer these services under the name Sign for Compliance and NPI Lookup. So just I just wanted to be upfront about our interest uh, often being commercial in uh, approaching this topic. Uh, the purpose of the talk and why we put it together was just to try to give you an idea and make sure you're aware of uh, some of the budget implications and the additional effort required to uh, accommodate this act. And of course, it'll vary depending on grantor, but you should expect uh, if you are creating what's known as reportable incidents, uh, added data collection, and just some additional effort before, during, and after your symposia. And uh, also to be aware of the technology and the terms so uh, you can see what might be expected to you, of you and just some of what the grantors or other vendors might be referring to. The act, the real intent of the act, uh, when you get down to it, you're going to be taking money from a grantor and combining it to generate items of value, such as a meal, and you're going to be giving that and offering it to a physician quite often, if that's attending the meeting or that might be speaking. In some cases, this could result in a reportable incident. Uh, that will depend, of course, on how you, what you, how you offer these items in the environment you do so, as well as the grantor. In the case you have to report the incident, you'll be taking specific information about that transaction, such as the uh, doctor's state license number, NPI, specialty, things like that, and you'll be putting it into a spreadsheet typically in a predetermined format and uploading it 
or transferring it to the grantor's aggregate spend system. The grantors are going to be accumulating these uh, list of reported transactions and on March 31st, the end of this month, they're going to be uploading it to the Centers for Medicare Medicaid Services, to the, uh, to the government. The government's going to hold on to that data for a while. I guess they, they're building the website and they're going to release it to the public on uh, September 31st, 2014. At that point, people are going to be able to look at it. The press, the other pharma companies, and uh, I think they're expecting patients to go on there and see just uh, how much interaction there is between their physician and, and the pharmaceutical industry. Um, as a side note, I'm not quite sure yet whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, whether you want a doctor that's smart enough to speak or one that has nothing to do with it, but this is the purpose of the act. I should also mention, after the data is released to the public, doctors are going to be expected to review this data for about 30 days, and then there'll be a 15-day uh, period where they'll be able to handle disputes and accuracies. So, yeah, these this is we'll see how that works out. But that's basically the purpose of the act. Once again, is to get all of these relationships available on the internet for people to review. Uh, so the manifestation of this act in terms of what is reportable and not reportable. And I should also mention we've really limited this talk to the CME environment. And uh, assuming this is ACCME, AOA, AFP, or any of those accredited programs, uh, and of course no direct payment by creditor and the creditor has no influence uh, in terms of the content, typically for attendees the meals would only be reportable if the cost is trackable to a specific physician. Travel, of course, is prohibited under in terms of uh, standards for commercial support. The value of the CME education is not reportable. Speakers under the same conditions should not have to report any of these specific items, speaking fees, travels, meals. Uh, there, of, of course, as we talk about later, you do not want to itemize these types of expenses. You'll want to keep them, uh, you know, listed under sp total speaker compensation, for example. Uh, in terms of education material, you know, staying within the CME guidelines, if the material is directly related to the CME or the program, uh, and if so this, then it would not be reportable. Also, in general, whether it's a CME program or not, any information that benefits patients directly, uh, such as a chart you might use to explain something to a patient or a, piece of, a brochure that is for a patient, that would not be a reportable either. Of course, textbooks and things like that are reportable. Now, as we all know, what I say up here really doesn't matter and what other people think doesn't matter. What really matters is what the legal department or compliance department at the Grand Tour thinks. Going on to a very useful website, the one, the cmeguide.com, uh, Derek had listed, I'm sure many of you saw, a number of common type of interpretations or, uh, or uh, interpretations of this act as far as their grants. You see a number of organizations just said no we, no meals. Uh, you've seen that a lot with the ortho set of J&J &J companies, but a lot of them just don't want any meals and not have to worry about reporting. Another group of companies said if you have a really large buffet, you wouldn't have to report. If you had a small buffet, you would. 
Sometimes they only allow funds to be used in large buffets. This uh, interpretation is clearly uh, an extension of the trackability of a given expenditure. I think that the idea was if you have a large buffet, especially if you're, it's made open to the everyone at a Congress as opposed to just your symposia, but if you have a really large buffet, then it might be, or you might argue that it's not practical to be able to collect everybody's uh, NPI information at that type of environment. Some of the pharma companies and grantors say just were very, uh, just said to follow the rules. If you can track the meal, track it. And still at least one other grantor said, just report everything. If you give anybody something, just know who they are and report it. And these seem to be uh, how most of the uh, pharma companies and grantors, as well as device manufacturers, are looking to uh, implement this reporting requirement. Some of the general guidelines, and I'll be going through my sources at the end. Uh, in general, basically totally adhere to the ACCM guidelines adhere to their commercial support uh, standard and uh, adhere, you know, and it, adhere to even especially in terms of how you select people and not letting grantors see them in advance. But of, of course, you know all that. This is just standard ACCME uh, type of re regulations. Uh, the other thing we see common is to avoid itemization. Uh, for speakers, you could just put food, beverage, travel, and speaker feed combined into a predetermined a fair market value, a speaker compensation. Of course, also don't list, and this is more of an ACCME requirement as well, specific speakers. Uh, once again, the, the argument, the idea here is not to build, is non-trackability. Now, uh, talking about some of the specific technologies used, and these are just terms you'll hear, and many of you may know this in a lot of the uh, past stuff we've been discussing, but they have aggregate spend systems, and these are at the grantors. These uh, are just large databases that are going to accumulate all of the information or data collected by all the other vendors and even the stuff done in-house. And these systems typically will validate, they'll verify data, and they'll make sure that it's formatted properly and for upload to the CMS. You have a whole host of other types of management systems for various events whether it's a meeting management system or an exhibit system, but typically these are systems that will handle the invitations, logistics reporting, they'll manage the venues. Um, many of these systems, which is important to note, will have NPI lookup uh, utilities on them, and when you assign an NPI number to a specific physician, it will often maintain and keep that in the list for future use. Uh, well, one note about the NPI, National Provider Identification Number, that's provided by the government. It's uh, unique to each doctor, or physician, I should say, and uh, it's just a good handy number to have. I, my guess is it'll become the standard sooner or later, but like we have systems, sometimes they'll use the Thomas Reuters number, and then we have utilities to put on NPI. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, often, there's a lot of on-site registration systems, and when registering people on-site, a lot of these systems will have, uh, for sign-in, will have an NPI lookup and confirmation when the doctor shows up. Uh, one thing to mention about signing in, as I mentioned earlier, the doctors will be able to dispute uh, items of value that were transferred to them. And dispute, from what I've been told, will be as easy as just clicking a, a checkbox on the things you want to dispute. So I, it, it will be handy to have signatures attesting to what it is they've received. 
which means at your meetings you might want to have a little statement if you're doing this on paper and pen a, a little statement up top and having them sign underneath and you'll want to store them or save those uh, those signatures and of course there's technology that might use iPads or other kind of port tablet devices to collect these signatures some of the other technology you'll find handy will be NPI, will be lookup services. There's a lot of them. All of them pretty much are for free. The government has one. Uh, once again, in the interest of full disclosure, I should mention, uh, we have a NPI lookup, a free NPI lookup app as well. And you just go on the internet and you'll find them. Now just uh, to discuss the typical effort that most of our clients have undergone is they'll send out invites. People will pre-register. What they'll do is they'll go on to that list of people who are pre-registered and they'll look up their NPI record and they'll enter it into that spreadsheet or into that database. Um, we've been talking about the NPI number and NPI record. The NPI record contains the NPI number, but it also contains the state license numbers, multiple ones, their specialty, their practice location, and a whole host of other information that they filled in when applying to be, to be able to bill under Medicare or Medicaid. Uh, a lot of aggregate spend systems might ask for all that information, or they can really get it from just the NPI records, so some of these systems differ. But prior to the meeting, you're going to want to kind of match these up. Uh, once you're on site, once again, the effort is to register people. Uh, you'll want to be able to look up NPI numbers on site, or you may, so that you can confirm them with the person. And once again, if you sign in, you may or, you know, you'll want some type of a sign-in process. After the meeting, you're going to do two things. You're going to make sure you have the NPI number information matched per individual physician. And you're going to want to take that data of each registrant with their NPI number and that other NPI record information. And you're going to want to format it and compile it into a spreadsheet as defined or dictated by the grantor. And then you'll deliver that spreadsheet to the grantor, either upload or via email. This is pretty much what everybody's been doing and what we've been seeing. Uh, last, uh, just I don't know if, you'll, if uh, Derek will be able to get this. To you. Just the resources. Obviously, I'm sure you've all seen the CME Coalition has a 26-page write-up. I thought it was very good. I've used Derek, uh, the Warnick, Derek Warnick's consulting, the CME guy. He has that list. Uh, there was a summary by um, the Thomas Sullivan that I thought was very good, and his blog policy in medicine uh, also had a lot of information. There's a number of NPI lookup. Uh, places uh, that you'll see uh, the NPI registry by the from the government and uh, there's an NPI number lookup from an organization ours is NPILookup.com uh, then there's also of course the fact the FAQs at the CMS plus CMS open payment and then the final regulations from the Sunshine Act these are just some of the resources I used uh, I've been using over the past and recently to put this talk together and uh, that that about adds a uh, everything up um see i'm not i got you ross hey thanks so much i mean i felt a little bad that we were having this big uh, cme conference and we didn't have anyone talking about the sunshine act it just didn't seem right so i'm glad that you uh, a, a last minute uh, addition and you're able to put uh, a great presentation together in a short amount of time so i appreciate your uh, your effort in that area are you still there, or do we lose you? Yes, no, I'm here. Okay, you're good. Okay, just make it short. Well, anyway, thanks again. Um, and that's it. That uh, does it for the first annual, inaugural, whatever you want to call it, CME Palooza. 
Um, thanks so much. Uh, a big thank you to all of the presenters out there. Um, you know, could not have made this happen if it wasn't for uh, those willing to uh, donate their time and effort um, to put together some great presentations. Um, I mean, it doesn't matter what kind of format you have. If you don't have good content to fill it with, um, then what does it really matter? So I appreciate it greatly. I appreciate all of you out there who participated. Um, we had we averaged about 40 viewers per session, which is tremendous. I never would have anticipated that many. I was thinking it would be more like three. <laughs> and one of them, my mom and dad, probably. Um, and I've heard from some that they've had multiple people watching, uh, you know, on one screen. So who knows how many there actually were. But uh, thanks again. Let me know what you think of the format, things you liked, things you didn't like, you can keep to yourself. No, but you can let me know, too, improvements that you think there might be as well. Um, and the final thing is the archive for all of yesterday's sessions are up on the website. If you go to the agenda for March 20, beside each presentation title, there's a link to the video for it. Um, the archive for today's sessions will be up sometime over the weekend. I'm not doing it right after this because I'm taking a break because uh, it's been a long two days. Um, but they will be up shortly uh, by Monday. Uh, they're in. They're on YouTube already. If there's something you want to see, just go to the CMD Palooza YouTube site and or on the Google Plus page, and the archives will. They're almost there instantaneously. Um, so with that being said, I'm going to bring this edition of CMD Palooza to a close. Thanks again, Ross. Thanks so much for your participation, um, and I will talk to many of you uh, another time.